Lord, you are here and we are here. Let us meet together. Fill us, transform us, and shape us into the, into the people that you want us to be. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, today we start with the cleansing of the temple. Now, if you remember, the cleansing of the temple is in all four Gospels, which number one tells us something right off the start. This is important. However, it is radically different in John's Gospel. Anybody know why? Number one, John has it at the beginning of his Gospel. And where does this appear in the synoptic? Always at the end, as we're meeting Holy Week. Since Jesus is coming in. So there's a radical <clears throat> difference in timing. And I want to suggest to you that the synopsis, and, and some of the, actually some of the commentators say, well maybe it happened twice, early and late. Personally, I think that's unlikely because I doubt that the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the temple would have put up with it, the temple guards. But, I think when we look at John's Gospel, we have to consider that he is not interested in the time sequence of events. His main point is to show you who Jesus is. And one of the key words in the Gospel of John is sign. You see that he is a sign into something greater. So he is telling us in a whole different way about Jesus. Now, John's Gospel wasn't written until somewhere between 90 and 100, the year uh, 90 to 100, and he was uh, on the Isle of Patmos probably when he wrote it. And if you think about it, I mean, he was alone. He had been banished. He has had a long time to reflect on Jesus and to reflect on the ministry and to reflect on the things that happened. And so in many ways, and commentators do agree with this, John is much more theological in his approach. He wants you to see the glory and the change that Jesus is making um, in specific events, and he wants to point to them in a different way. He's not interested in making sure it all takes place. If you read the Gospel of Mark, you'll read, and then he did this, and then he did that. It's like a, a commentary of what his action was. But John is different. He wants you to see and experience Jesus. And so we start this morning with the Gospel. Now, Interestingly enough, Jesus has been at the temple many times. I mean, we remember even from his childhood when he came to the temple and didn't leave and his parents didn't know where he was. So he's been at the temple many times. And it has always looked 
just like it does right now. But this time is different. And we are early in the Gospel of John, and John has talked about the baptism and changing water into wine, pretty profound things. And so Jesus does an amazingly startling thing in the temple. And he comes in and with, makes a whip out of some cords that are there, and he drives out all the animals. Now, it's hard for us to picture what would have been going on, because we don't see animals in the church. But they are in the courtyard of the Gentiles, which is the only place the Gentiles can go. And it is packed with lambs and doves and some other small cattle and money changers. Tables of money changers. Money changers were crucial because you could not pay your temple tax with anything that had an image of a ruler on it. So all of the money put out by um, Rome could not be used to pay the temple tax. And so they charged you to convert your money. Kind of like making a trip to Europe and you you got to pay your money to, and you don't make money on that transaction. So that's what's going on. So there's great chaos, great activity. And Jesus drives him out. And John says in his gospel, zeal for my father, it is zeal, it is zeal for your house that has consumed me. The insult of those who insult you fall on me. They said he remembers saying the zeal for the house. The rest of it, the insult of those, of what they're doing has fallen on Jesus. It's from Psalm 69.9. It was very well known. And so what John is telling you right there is that Jesus is the Messiah. And that he is the one that is doing that. The temple has been the center of all social and religious activity. They control who can go to what place. There's a court of the women. They can't go all the way in where the big guys are. Yeah, court of the Gentiles. There's the court um, reserved for the um, uh, ones that were the holy uh, teachers, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. So there's a lot of separation there. And a lot of rules. And a lot of activity. I was thinking about it the other day. And it's been a long time since I've been with my children. But remember when they used to have the fair out here and you'd go and the money, uh, not the money changers, but the hawkers are all yelling, oh, you need to do this and you need to try to win this animal. And they had the show. So it's a place kind of like that where there's just a lot of things going on. And Jesus comes in and he clears the temple. And they challenge him. And they say, what right have you to do this? And he says, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. Now the temple was the place where God dwelt. And Jesus is making a messianic statement. 
He sang, I am the Messiah. I am the one who, who came. They don't get it yet. But he is talking about a new place of worship. And that his body is now the temple of God on earth. And the authority. So he is, um, he's saying in this little passage a lot of things that Pharisees and Sadducees and the rulers do not want to hear. Because, let's be honest, if you're in charge, you kind of like it, right? You, you want it done your way. And Jesus is shaking all that up and saying things are going to change. So, remember to in this scene, that pilgrims have traveled great miles to be in the temple. So not only were there the money changers, there's all of these people. And they are stunned as well. So, what John wants you to hear is this is a typical theme. Just business as usual. Until Jesus makes his statement. And now things are going to be different. So if you're in the crowd watching this, you're probably pretty astounded. Number one, they're throwing over all the tables for the money changers. So what do I do about my coins? Um, you know, I can't buy an animal. You know, maybe impressed, maybe scared. They don't know. They don't know. They're all in this together. But something new is going on. The temple authorities will challenge Jesus, but Jesus is saying, kind of like, remember that old saying, there's a new sheriff in town? Well, that's irreverent to, to apply to Jesus. But it's like he's saying there's a new authority. There's a change in how we're going to do this. And so he's saying the long-awaited Savior is here. That's what John's telling us. And John's telling us at the very beginning of the gospel message that this has happened. Jesus is just point before this change water into wine, which was a sign. And this is a major sign. Now, the only thing that the, all the Gospels have, writers have in common is that this event takes place in the temple at what time? I know you know this. It's Passover. And what was Passover celebrating? It was celebrating God's saving action. It was celebrating leading the Jews out of the bondage of Egypt and into the promised land. And John is telling us, this is the sign. This is the one you've been waiting for to lead you into deeper, greater relationship. Something new is happening. And it's significant that it happens at Passover, a saving celebration, and someone who comes as the Savior. And so John is telling you once again with this sign that this is going on. Now, that doesn't make a lot of people happy. 
there's going to be conflict. There's going to be lots going on about this for a long time, and John's Gospel will read it a little differently than we do in some of the others. But he has, in effect, totally disrupted the system at the temple. Now, why would we have this reading in Lent? I mean, I would think it'd be at the end. I mean, you know, when we celebrate Jesus coming in. I mean, the, the synoptics kind of have it very nicely put in the sense of our celebrations of worship and all that. But John has it first. He wants you to hear. He wants you to see that Jesus has disrupted life in general. Now, Lent can do the same thing in our life. Um... I told you before, it's a season that I struggle with sometimes. I don't like the introspection. I know. And you know what? Probably because I see too much when I go inside that I'm not pleased about. And yet, that's where we are. We're going inside. Jesus has disrupted the place of worship. And who we worship. And now he asks us to go inside and do a little disrupting on our life. You might say that Jesus had cleaned house in the temple. And so I was thinking, okay, well then Lent is kind of like taking a little broom and sweeping the interior of our lives. What needs to be swept out what needs to be dealt with? What needs to be changed? For me, that's a lot of things. So one thing I do want to tell you, at least it's true for me, and I think it is true for many preachers. We are not trying to preach at you. Because normally, what we're given to preach is what we need to hear. So... Anything that you're struggling with in Lent, I'm probably struggling with in Lent, too. It's so easy in life to just wake up. It's a routine day. What am I going to do today? You know, get up, make the bed, a couple loads of laundry. You know, you can fill your way a day away doing nothing at all. But Lent calls us to spend some time alone to do some extra reading, to possibly give up something that's important to us. But more, I think, to clean and clear our interior life. It's a time to tidy up our lives. What are the grudges we hold? Now, probably you don't have any, but I can assure you that I do. Um, where do we need to extend forgiveness? And I want to take a little aside on this forgiveness thing. I have been very aware lately in several things that, conversations that I've had, that if I say, I'm sorry, Gloria might say, ah, no big deal, don't worry about it. 
and saw the fullness of God. Yeah, we're not going to be perfect images. But you know, when you go to somebody and say you're sorry, wow, that's the Holy Spirit in action. It's a lot easier to just sit home and say what a schmuck the person was. <laughs> they don't deserve anything. Lent calls us to go inside, to clean house. And then when we come on Easter Day, it's all joy, right? It's all good on Easter. It's new finery, it's happiness, it's and it's a profound change. I mean, it's flowers on the altar and different colors and hallelujahs. Why? Because we have gone inside and we have looked at ourselves. But in the midst of looking, that tension always hangs that we are God's people. We are the temple. You and I of the Holy Spirit. Amen.